people just rather watch people do cartwheels over and over. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. How little can I screw up tonight? Sweat, drool, spit, beer, bottles, nudity, whatever. The Facebooks, the Instagrams. Yeah, we'll be here multiple, multiple, multiple times. Hey guys, welcome to In the Springs, episode number 70. I'm your host, Ryan Lowry. Thank you for checking us out. On today's show, I catch up with Josh Elmore, lead guitarist for Death Metal Titan's Cattle Decapitation. Cattle is currently on tour supporting their latest release, The Anthropocene Extinction, which came out to rave reviews in August of 2015. This episode was recorded at the legendary Black Sheep right here in Colorado Springs on October 28th. My apologies, we did have some technical issues with the sound, so the first two or three minutes are a little bit shaky, but things level out quickly, so hang in there. Without further ado, sit back and enjoy, because Cattle Decapitation's Josh Elmore is in the Springs. Right, Josh Elmore. Yes, sir. How, how the heck are you? Doing well. Cattle decapitation in uh, Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Nice. Excellent. Well, man, thanks so much for sitting down with me. First of all, uh, congratulations on the uh, on the new album. Thank you. Anthropocene Extinction. How's uh, how's the tour going? Been really good. We did a uh, maybe like a three and a half week. Um, sort of headlining tour before uh, we jumped on with Cannibal and went up the West Coast and into Canada, all the way across Canada, back in the U.S., and back into Canada, and then back in the U.S. again. So uh, just, I, the great vast majority of that was really, really good. Um, so we were happy to see people like really like into the new songs and knowing the words already and everything. Um, and then we jumped on with Cannibal about maybe two and a half weeks ago. And that's, it's been, you know, of course, you know, people are going to come out in droves for them. So it's been consistently good to be able to support them and um, turn on some new people to our stuff that who'd not have heard it before, I guess. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so was the headlining tour, was that just to sort of knock the dust off a little bit and kind of get familiar with the new tune? Eh, sort of. I mean, that, that served that dual purpose, I guess. It just, uh, I think we kind of decided to be in maybe, I think it was the last time we did the, we did the last time we did the headline thing was uh, 2010. So it's time to get back and try to do that again and test the water and see how that worked. But <laughs> fortunately for us, it did really well. And Canada's always, we do really well, well, really well there. So the nice. vast majority of the shows were in Canada. So kind of was a good boost. Excellent, you know, excellent. For morale and everything. So now what is that transition like from taking songs from the studio and then jumping on stage live? How does that mesh for you guys as a band? And how long does it take to, to feel like, yep, we got these songs down? Yeah, now. it's because like um, other people have mentioned, um, that's the, uh, some stuff that you just kind of sort of spontaneously generated in the studio. That's because like in the, in, in, you're in the moment or it's like a production choice or like something with performance that you alter just cause it's, you know, when you get in there, it's like, oh, this changes everything. You know, I, I'm going to alter this, uh, you know, step I'm taking in this technique or whatever. Um, so sometimes the stuff you're doing, you just, you're so intensely focused on recording that you do it right then. And then when you get out of that environment, you revert right back to what your, you know, muscle memory was and you trained yourself to do. So there's going to be a window of time where you, even though in practice, you try to simulate as best you can what's on the recording. It's going to take a while to get uh, the live, you know, kind of the live, the live thing mixed with that down to where it's, you know, second nature. Yeah. So there is a bit of a learning curve and a window there to have to deal with. Now the, the complexity of your songs and obviously, you know, this is a cornball thing to say, but the speed of your songs, mm-hmm. I mean, a, 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 how do you guys get to that point where 
where it feels tight, where you, where you feel like, because I, I would imagine the recording process and the live process are mm -hmm. two vastly different things. Mm -hmm. And so how, how does that kind of tran uh, transition happen from taking those to the studio and getting tight live mm -hmm. with that? Well, we've, when we write the songs, it's just we, you know, we go through probably maybe a couple different versions of it. Like we get something to think that's pretty much there and then we maybe kind of second guess ourselves and rewrite certain parts or do multiple arrangements on it. But um, we'd been practicing um, the songs consistently, you know, uh, in the, you know, in the practice room for, you know, however long. Yeah. And uh, I think that the main difference is a lot of times when we get in the studio, there's certain tempos that are different and that's what's, that's what can really mess you up as far as like expecting to come into the certain feel and attack to it. And it's either you're going way too fast or slow because you just, you know, fallen back on this, you know, certain habit that you've gotten into. So that to me um, is the biggest hurdle, like getting these sort of newer tempos adjusted to and your own sort of subconscious expectation of what you should be doing going into the next part, uh, you know, training yourself. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's what, um, you know, we finished recording the record in February, um, did little bits and pieces of stuff, um, just one-offs and stuff before uh, Summer Slaughter, which was, I think, July, August. So, you know, we had time to practice, obviously, then, but you just don't have that, like, you know, show, show, show. Right, you can right. really break yourself and, you know, hear stuff, you know, hear people stuff, stuff that people throw up on YouTube or just, you know, your, you know, immediate experience up there to correct yourself or, you know, us to kind of convene and say, what the heck are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what I'm doing <laughs> most of the time. Made sense at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's <laughs> mostly what it is. Nice. Yeah. Now, coming off the success of Monolith, which I think a lot of your fans would argue is one of your best one of the best cattle albums mm -hmm. out there. What what pressure did you guys feel going into the studio? I mean, did you feel that you had to top that, or that everything was going to be sort of held up against that monolith uh, well, yeah, template? That, or yeah, no. Every uh, we knew that people were going to, due to the reaction from that record, we knew people were going to say, "Oh well, that's what the standard that they're going to hold it up right, to." Right, right. And regardless of that, we like, you know, we always put pressure on ourselves to try to just each record step up whatever positive aspects from the last record were and just, you know, enhance those. And um, we knew that there was a lot of just really high expectations for it. So um, we just kind of tried to not focus on that. And it's like, well, let's just, as we did with the last record, let's just try to write the best songs possible. Yeah. Um, not try to compete with anyone for, you know, whatever thing. You're never going to win the, you know, you're never going to win the tech war. You're never going to win the heavy war or right, anything. Right. There's always going to be a band that's going to destroy you, blow you out of the water <laughs> that way. So it's just like, do it, just try to, do what no one, you know, no one in de death metal does and write good songs. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, people just rather watch people do cartwheels over and over. Right, 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 right. Wow, look how fast they can do that. Let's go home. <laughs> they did so, it again. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, Maybe that's just sort of a weird justification of getting old and lazy. Probably. Well, that old and wise, I think. Well, there we go. That's what, you, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> nice. Well, one thing that I, th I think is unique with, with cattle decapitation, certainly in, you know, kind of the death metal or metal, whatever mm -hmm. genre you want mm -hmm. to call it, is, is the band seems to have sort of a conscience in terms of the material that you're writing and the message that you're, you know, trying to get out through your music. Is that something that, is that a challenge for you, kind of from a commercial standpoint, for folks to resonate with not only the music, but also, oh, by the way, we're also talking about social issues? Um, I think... It's that this type of music is so. I mean, for I mean, it's a lot to take in for people who don't listen to the style of metal or whatever. It's just a lot to take in, yeah. you know. So that's kind of in one way 
kind of dumb on our part because we're automatically eliminating, you know, if, if there's any sort of like, oh, here's our message, man, or anything like that, it's we're eliminating a great portion of that audience by having this screeching, you know, blasty right, right. madness. Um, but within the metal genre where people are used to this sort of thing and, you know, it's, you know, run-of-the-mill, you know, blast and screech or whatever, um, I'd, it's, I don't say it's hard to get people to read lyrics, but... I think because, like, especially with the the album cover, um, it really kind of there's your concept right there. You yeah. Know? So I would hope that people see that really very nice artwork that Wes did. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful he did. A, he's great. Um, and be sort of intrigued by it, and then not just you know, if you're a musician, go oh, do they have any sort of endorsements? Oh, okay, cool, whatever. Or you know, your friend like oh, did I get thanked? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, or whatever. You know you. You know, read the lyrics. They're good. You know, they right, say something. Right. It's not, I mean, yeah, there's traditional death metal elements to them, like gore elements or, you know, brutal violence or whatever. Yeah. But there's a lot of sort of, I don't want to say moral to the story because it's kind of corny, but just really good commentary and messages in there. Yeah. That um, even if you don't agree with them or I've had people say, like, I may not necessarily agree with, like, certain elements of it. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I read it because then I, it just makes me think, you know, and just, and, you know, look at my own views. And, you know, maybe that just reaffirms what they think, which is totally fine. Yeah. But it just, it just as long as people think, you know. Yeah. And it's not just another thing to put in and, you know, if, you, well, I guess I could say, if it's something you want to put in your car going to work or just run to or just background music or whatever, that's fine. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it doesn't have to have any sort of higher purpose. Like it's, oh no, this is only for you know, <laughs> right. put, you know, putting your slippers on and getting a pipe and sitting lives. in front, of, sitting in front of the fire or anything like that. You yeah. know, that's pretty ridiculous to say that because it's death metal. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's. I think it's one of those nice little byproducts that you don't usually get. There's like lyrical depth. Yeah. There that he that Travis puts out there. So what what comes first when you guys are developing a new project? Is it is it the concept followed by the songs, or do the songs come first that kind of kind of shape what the concept is? We, we kind of I want to say we work separately as like the, uh, Derek, Dave, and I'll uh, get in just start writing music, and Travis will kind of comment like, oh, you know, I've kind of got some ideas, you know, concept ideas, lyrics, and stuff. Usually, there's lots of song titles, and then he kind of builds like. Uh, kind of reverse engineer. Yeah, the exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, we'll we'll give songs to him, and he'll you know comment like yay nay, or just like oh this part's cool. Could you add you know shorten it, or you know add you know more or something like that, and we'll kind of alter it to sort of fit um, what the lyrics he's kind of coming up with at the time. So it usually goes music, and then he hears it, and then lyrics and stuff like that, as opposed to having some giant notebook full of lyrics and then having to try to make them fit to the song. Right, you know? right. So I mean, I'm sure he has like little like kind of like. It's going to sound super silly, but like an idea book, <laughs> an inspiration board. <laughs> he gets carpet swatches and puts it up. Uh, but yeah, he just... Does it get more metal than that? No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but just has, you know, like little like snippets and stuff like that are like kind of like total like, you know, money shot lines that are like, yeah, you know, I'm sure that maybe little bits of those and then you can kind of like structure things around that, yeah. you know, based upon the title of the song. And so how, do the, how does his... How do the the lyrics that that Travis comes up with? How does that influence you musically? I mean, are you able to, or um, they? I don't. Know, I think we kind of like had a discussion before the record, or before we started writing, because um, um, the tour cycle for Monolith was decent length, so we kind of had time to, you know, what direction we want to go in, and, and we're the collective decision was like, well, we just want to make it like, not that Monolith was like, you know, a, you know beach summer beach party record or anything like that but we just wanted to make it a little moodier and darker and um that didn't necessarily mean making like a kind of brooding slower album but to maybe uh in sort of investigate writing more a little more parts like that um 
having more of just a somber quality overall to it. I mean, it's still like ripping fast 85% of the time, but within that, just have a little more of a moodiness to it. You know, total, a little more sad sack going on. Nice. More so than already exists. <laughs> <laughs> now, I did watch the, uh, there was a documentary you guys put online, mm-hmm. um, and you recorded this up in Denver? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, what was the Colorado connection there? I think you had, had mentioned it in the documentary, but, you know, kind of uh, explain a little bit what that connection oh, oh, how was. Oh, yeah, we even got here. Um, well, for years and years, we're friends with Cephalic Carnage guys. Oh, and nice. They okay. uh, have been staunch supporters and boosters of Dave Otero. And you're like, oh, you gotta come up here, man. You gotta come up. We're like, okay, cool, yeah, we'll see what we can do. And you know, it took us till like 2000 and well, we recorded 2011, but 2012 almost to, when Monolith came out to to come up here. Gotcha. So we did that record with them, and you know, people were super into like how it sounded, and we had a great, you know, most importantly, had a good experience recording with him. Yeah. And you know, he was really easy to track with, and his production ideas, like 99.7 percent of the time, are damn it, they're they're right yeah. <laughs> whether you want it yeah or not. exactly um so we valued his ability to you know have, have those qualities and then be able to referee us you know which is you know he could he could tell you right now he's probably gonna be upstairs later that's probably one of the hardest things he has to do is you know harness these four personalities and opinions on everything and right. get a common a kind of a, a common viewpoint on everything to be able to move forward but not you know kind of water down anyone's opinion to or anyone's viewpoint to where it's just kind of, you know, the sort of limp middle ground. You gotcha. Know? So. Well, yeah, and he had kind of alluded to that in the documentary that not only four different personalities, but very different personalities. Uh, very different opinions on uh, stuff. Yeah. And uh, like, you know, okay, what direction should this part go in or this song go in? It's just completely polar opposite. Diff- you know? Right. And where do you reconcile that in the middle? Yeah. Without. And how was that for you... Uh, creatively having somebody like a producer that has creative input. I mean, is there, I would imagine as, as an artist, there's ownership that this, this is my baby. Don't tell me how to raise yeah, my baby. But I think we kind of, because of last time and it wasn't, it wasn't, when I say that, I don't mean it was like, well, because last time he like rewrote everything. It wasn't like that at all, <laughs> but because like we trust his opinion on stuff gotcha. and there wasn't a whole lot that was changed. I think it'd be more like, like tempos. Like I said before, that was like coming in like, Oh, this, you want this to be heavy, this needs to be way slower, you know, or, or like listen to the beat before this, you know, the part before this, which works perfectly. If you come and going that speed, you know, or if you're playing it guitar, you're doing it this fast, it's just going to sound weird, you know, and you know, you'll A, B, do the original in that way. And like I said before, it's like, ah, damn it. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's more like that is, I mean, there's certain like production tricks or not tricks, but like production things or little effects that he'll suggest or be able to like, you know, have this treasure trove of, you know, plugins or whatever you want to call them that he can just access and yeah. go, oh wow that's really cool or you know sometimes we get off on these odd paths with wanting to have certain layers and all this and he'll be like listen this is what it's going to sound like you're not going to be able to hear it we're going to spend six hours of the time we desperately need and you're not going to be able to hear Burying it in the recording this. it's going to get buried not because it's anything wrong with it but because it's like we're forcing you know 10 pound shit thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, we're just, just more and more in there. And so the certain parts are so densely mixed that it's like, you know, if the part was written around that element of it, it'd be, that'd be cool. But there's already so much stuff here. That's good quality stuff. You put that in there. It's just going to be like, you're not going to hear it. Yeah. So, I mean, he's good at, um, kind of corralling our very ambitious, overly ambitious at times, uh, uh, kind of desires for certain songs. Gotcha. So that's uh, just, I think, yeah, him refer- being able to like corral us and referee us is probably two-thirds of everything. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> other, other poor engineers and producers have, like, 
this I was like they're a hard band to record man I'm all I'm saying <laughs> you know whether and it's not even necessarily you know playing the parts it's the just everything the everything of the baggage <laughs> right right you know so, so I'm so glad you, he can take care of that for you personally when you guys are are working on a new project and I don't want to dwell on the studio stuff too much but mm-hmm. is it difficult for you to say to stamp it done like when you're listening to a master if for you to say oh man I should have I think you're always going to think that. Yeah. I just hopefully as time goes on, you think that less and less, but it's always going to be there. There's going to be, oh, I should have harmonized this, or oh, why didn't I put another layer there, or I really wish this part I would have been a little more assertive with, like, yeah, that, bring that up a little bit kind of thing. It's always yeah. going to be there. But I, um, I, I think with this record of any of them, it's the most, like, there's the, f- there's the fewest of those sort of incidents. Nice. You know, there's little things here and there, but that's, like I said, it's going to be, no matter if you get this ultra perfect recording that everyone loves you're gonna be sitting there like yeah but at two minutes and 14 seconds on track three god what was i thinking <laughs> and it's not bad or wrong it's sure, just sure. something that would have you know tied ever your vision together you know it's this that only you will hear exactly that yeah and you can describe it and play it and you know like i like what it is man I'm like lost on you yeah <laughs> so what is the um you know from a complete outsider what is the the level of excitement when you've got a new album and so when when anthropocene drops and it's gotten just, you know, rave reviews. You know, the, the handful of reviews that I read have been really, really positive. What is that? I mean, how do you how do you handle that? What does that feel like? It's almost like when you... Uh, it's it's almost like if you had just the same amount of, like, negative reviews. It's like, yeah, you take stock and you don't... I mean, you... You know, because in, like, the negatives, maybe they have a point, you know, in certain areas. And you know, they, they very well could. Um, and it's pretty obvious to see which ones, either positive or negative, are totally just, like, transparent garbage. You know, like, you know... It's easy to usually see through those, but um, I don't know. It's almost like you react the same way. You have this sort of like analyze it a little bit to see how genuine you feel it is, and then you know use that either to write off. Oh well, they don't know what they're talking about, or well, yes, of course, of course they do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's 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 been nice because I feel that um, our final like with the last few albums, I'd say like probably since Harvest Floor, um, which I think 2009 that came out we've really kind of gotten a thousand percent closer to what's in our heads um, and then actually put on a recording. Gotcha. Prior to that, um, I think there's a lot of ambition, maybe too much ambition for what we were able to accomplish at the time. Yeah. So there's certain records there's like so much stuff on and no one told us no. So it's like things are so dense. There's so many layers and so many parts and so many little experimental sections that people like, it's exhausting to listen to because there's so much going on. So yeah. like four bands playing a different thing. <laughs> and then there's others where it's just like, this is the limit of our capability. The earlier ones, this is the limit of our capabilities. And it's just like, for like 40 minutes and people like, you know, have already fallen asleep, you know, two minutes into it. So I think we've actually managed to stay around long enough to we can you know, get actually try to get better at what we do. Right, and I'm right. thank goodness that they weren't one of those bands that peaked the first couple albums and then just embarrassed themselves. Just chasing that. Yeah, yeah, to try to recreate that and end up, you know, everyone's still miserable working at AutoZone, you know, right, right. as opposed to being a little bit more chipper and working at AutoZone. Right, right. <laughs> well, now, you've been uh, you've been with Cattle since 01. Correct. Um, and how has, how has the experience changed for you personally in terms of not only recording and, and all that, but everything that goes with it, being on tour, sitting in the basement at the Black Sheep with a guy you've never met, all of that stuff. <laughs> How has that changed, and, and, and what part of that still still excites you to, to continue to do it? I think it's the playing every night, like the challenging yourself to, like, 
how little can I screw up tonight? You know, <laughs> or like I mess this up most of the time. Oh, I actually did it right tonight. Wow, I feel good about myself, and then I'll screw it up the next night anyway. <laughs> but it, I think it's that element. And then seeing, you know, something, I, I think this would be the best way for everyone, but something we put so much effort into and emotional turmoil, <laughs> putting right. our own personal lives and then amongst ourselves, between each other, actually turn out positively. It's like, cool, something in life, you know, that, yeah. you know, there's like an equation that never works, and this actually, maybe, you know, depending on what person, you know, how you look into it, it's like, Okay, this plus this. Oh, wow. Well, for once, crazy. You know, right, it actually right. works. I'd, over time, I think, we, it's like, we've, like we toured so much in the beginning, you know. Um, we had a booking agent at the time back then that was just like, oh, you want to work? Okay, I'll, you'll work. So there was, I think during like the humanure cycle and um, karma cycle, part of, the, part of the karma cycle, maybe late Servan cycle, we were out, I mean... I, I don't even know why my job let me stay there. I was out maybe a total of like eight months out of oh a year. I mean, God. not con- constantly, like, you know, zero to eight, but like peppered throughout a 12-month period, about eight months, yeah. I was gone. And, you know, maybe even a little more for a, a, a couple cycles. Yeah. And it was like, it, it got to the point where the joke was like, oh, gee, is cattle on this tour? Yeah, and it was yes every time. <laughs> and people got annoyed with that. I don't blame them, you know? So we kind of, for that reason, scaled back a little bit and just tried to be a little more picky. We got a different booking agent about, I think, 2006 and um, he was a little more willing to work um, with our, where we, you know, how much we wanted to be out there and be more strategic with it instead of just like going, go, 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 right, go. Right, right. You know, so. Well, in the, in the genre that you're in, death metal, and I, I, I hate the labels, but it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You get zero exposure other than getting on stage and, and selling albums. Yeah. And so you, it's really kind of the nature of the beast in terms yeah. of the genre that you Yeah, in. you have to. I mean, it's just a very careful balance being out there because one too many tours and people start to be like annoyed with you and then too few, you know, and you're like, oh, they never come around. It's right, like, well, right. we were actually out for boom, 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 and boom last year. Well, you didn't come here. Yeah, well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> right. It's not right. our decision. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think over time we've kind of harnessed our, got our sort of road thing down a little more. Nice. I mean, we have it, you know, basic function, have it down. We've been out so darn much, but, um, you know, we just, we kind of said like, okay, let's go out only when it's, you know, I mean, there's certain things you'll take a hit on because, well, you're, it's ridiculous. You're playing in front of X amount of people, that kind of thing where it's, right, right. you know, you kind of make your pay that way. But at the same time, it's like, let's not, we don't have to say yes to everything. We're yeah. not you're not weak or terrible if we don't like take every offer so 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 fill in the the x on that what's one of the largest shows oh, you guys um, have done hmm. well we do when we're in europe a lot of the festivals are those are the biggies yeah. usually and um i can't think what ones we've done over there that's really big and, and what is that because i think death metal is one of those genres as well where it's weirdly sort of an intimate type of music where it's it's about being mashed in with yes. other sweaty people yes. i think I, ideally like your live experience is, pr- especially for you know for sound purposes too. Cause, right. You know the, you know, bless their hearts, but you know the big festivals they may have this massive PA, but it, death metal and grind or whatever you want to say sounds better in a small sweaty box. It's about to explode. Right. As opposed to like this huge you know there's forty thousand people there, it's just you know you everyone's been to a bigger show you know you after you know. If you're not like in that square area in the front, it's just kind of this. Eh. <laughs> right. Even how mes- kind of that energy is aggressive getting- the music. Yeah, and it's just like the energy disperses and all that. I mean, it's a lot of the more epic, you know, bands succeed a little more at those bigger festivals. Um, whereas 
blast beady kind of screechy bands like it just it almost is just like oh come on this is silly right why right. are you doing that up there you know so i mean i think you know like rooms like this size which i think is like 400 it's yeah, like yeah. that's pretty perfect nice. you know, that's even on the of the big end like the earlier the canadian part of the tour i mentioned um and you know we like man we've had three sellouts in a row rooms are 200 people (laughs) (laughs) calm down bud you could totally leave that off yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's but at the same time it's jam-packed it's you know the sweaty uncomfortable i like people take pictures of us and i will just look like i just stepped jumped fully clothed into the swimming pool (laughs) right and you know your amp you gotta put a fan on your amp so it doesn't overheat you know and you know get all dippy and stuff and at the time it's just all (laughs) chaos and but you look back and you're like okay that was like everyone in that place going nuts right it's like this mound of like roiling people right in front and you can you know it's like oh is my stuff gonna get destroyed you know because people are following everything and you know that's a little bit of the I think almost like the punk rock element that death metal needs at times there's a bit of a some pomposity with stuff absolutely yeah on just like you know such amazing musicians and all which is generally true (laughs) but it's just like Rock out, man. I'm yeah. sorry. Sweat, drool, spit, beer, <laughs> bottles, nudity, whatever. You right. know, that's rock and roll. And that, I mean, I, it's funny. Like I've always said with a lot of metal, it's like I've never seen, well, not that I, I shouldn't comment. I don't have enough experience in other genres to really accurately. But it's like all this like, oh, chest puffing, big business for zero, for pennies. You know, I mean, yeah, you have to be, to get things moving, you have to be professional and adhere to things, and everyone has a standard they need to meet. But it's just, you know, I think the joy and grind in certain types of death metal is being able to play those small shows. Right. And, you know, getting financially out of what you need, but, you know, packing the place, people, they've had the experience. Right, you know, right. You can be, play fantastic, you know, on a big stage. And it's like, wow, that was cool. We played in front of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but there's usually a million other bands you know, where your merchants is good because right. they, you know, don't want people understandably only have a certain amount of dollars to spend. Um, you get these small shows, people have that experience that's like, yeah, your, your band's playing or whichever band, you know, you, you may not play as perfectly because you're worried about not getting killed by, <laughs> or <laughs> you slip on, you know, sweat or, you know, your guitar falls off four times because you sweat it on your strap and it's like, you know, slides off your pegs or whatever right, which right. happened to me at a certain show. <laughs> but they remember that experience. Yeah. And, like, they celebrate that and your band's a part of that. You know, so I think people are more willing to like, you know, buy your commemorative Franklin Mint plates or whatever you're selling. Yeah, which are beautiful, by the way. Well, thank plates. you. Yeah. yeah, we do what we can, <laughs> and because they, yeah, they're one, they remember you that experience. Yeah. Oops. And you know, the well, festivals I, are the festivals, but it's like there's a little more heart and smaller stuff. Right, and and to me, it's, it kind of goes back to that intimacy thing, and there's an accessibility as well. Mm-hmm. When you guys finish playing. You don't race off stage, jump in the van, and go to the hotel. You're you're part of the show. You're you, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, we're sitting there cleaning up in front of everyone, and you know, hanging out and chatting, and like, you know, can I have a pick? Or right, and, and to me, there's an authenticity there where the fans are like, I, I want to be that guy. I he's standing right there. You know, they're, they're, oh, it's yeah. Here, step up on this two inch stage. Boom, there you are. <laughs> right. Here's an instrument. You're a Make a lot of noise. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that we had shows like that in Lansing, Michigan, in Toronto. Um, uh, Calgary, um, just a lot, um, Quebec City and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just that's that's it's 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 hard to kind of reconcile because that's what you ideally want as far as your selfish reasons, like your personal experience of playing. But at the same time, the you know if you're going to step up, quote unquote, you're not your sole 
sh- type of show, but it's going to be a much more of the larger sort of thing. Right. But right. I mean, like, the, like I said, this building or this room here at Black Sheep is four four fifty, maybe. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Any nice. day, I'll take that. You know. Nice. So I don't know. I'd, the the festivals are the cool thing to do to remember to go and tell mom so she's impressed. So you know you're not totally wasting your life. <laughs> right. um, but as far as like the fun and stuff, it's like it's a little less stress and it's a lot usually more crazy at the smaller, sweatier, you know, venues. Nice, Josh, man. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I know you guys are playing here at the Black Sheep tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick, what's uh, what's on the horizon for cattle? What are you guys looking forward to? And uh, where can folks find you online and all that good stuff? Yeah, we're uh, cattledecapitation.com. We have the Facebook, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, <laughs> the yeah, tweets, a twi- and such. A tweeters, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm probably like a bunch of very short-lived extinct. Uh, social media sites that we thought were going to take off. Well, you better reserve our name here and get an account. You got the Friendster account still Yeah, we got our makeout club still going on. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're maybe, I think there's... (laughs) Gee, I don't know how I'd know this number. There's 18 more days in this tour. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, honey, I'll be home. Um, 18 more days of this tour, and then we have... We're off to the rest for the rest of the year. Um... And then we have four days in January. We're playing in Mexico. Oh, uh, nice. There's a Mexico City, uh, Mon- is it Monterey, Chihuahua, and Kertaro. Um It's like little fly-in things between each um, show. And then we're trying to set up a European tour. Originally, it was going to be late April, early March. Um, not late April, I'm sorry. Late February, early March. Okay. Uh, but that actually may not be the case, but in a very positive way. Like, we got something else that may be coming up the pipe. Nice. That, that's... That, um, Top secret be, right now? Well, yeah, I, I would want to say because it's like a, I, it's still in these sort of very gray talking stages. Nice. As long as, are, it, as long as it gets you back through Colorado, I don't give a shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do, we do that tour in Europe, and then we actually are um, the end of March. We have um, three days in South Africa for Witch Fest, which nice. will be pretty crazy. Oh, very. It's cool, a man. I mean a ridiculous lineup. It's like Behemoth, Misery. I mean, big heavy hitter bands and stuff like that. So that'll be good to be a part of that, and you know be a part of the world I never thought I would be able to be so excellent um, after Europe um, we actually probably I think we're going to be in Europe three times next year have the tour I mentioned maybe in March or April and then um, we're doing a couple festivals in June a very short it's like a week week and a half there's yeah, yeah. Uh, Roskilde Fest in Denmark I hope I'm saying that right um, and then uh, Hellfest in France nice uh, which we've wanted to do for a long time and then um, after that we're home and then uh, late July, there's the, the typical fest season over there, which is, I'm assuming like last time we did like Brutal Assault, Summer Breeze, Party Son, all those, the German ones, and uh, uh, Brutal Assault's Czech. And there's, there'll be a couple. There's one in Romania I know we're booked for um, that's like on the grounds of Transylvania or something like that. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, we'll be doing that too. And I'm sure there'll be another U.S. nestled in there somewhere. Excellent, excellent. Which... May or June or something. So I don't know. We're going to be busy, busy, busy. Yeah, so, it sure looks like it. Yeah, as older older as we get, we're just all you know getting older. We're like, just not more of these two and a half months in a row. I just go home for a month, <laughs> off and on for a month is fine. But just just want my own bed. Exactly, and it's just like you're going to maintain things at home. So <laughs> don't want to be gone all the time, and it's yeah. just better for your sanity. Sure, you know. Sure. I mean, if there's some ridiculous offer, then yeah, you you know you take it and nice. Only look back occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh. We should be busy. I mean, well, this cycle will be going on. I mean, the record came out in August 7th of 2015, so we'll be touring on this probably until, I'd say, the end of 2016, maybe in the beginning of 2017. Gotcha. So, and then, who the heck knows, I'll be 
42 by then, so I didn't think <laughs> about it. Oh, it's time to write another record. <laughs> Dude, if you think 42 is old, we've it's got, not, we've it's, got problems. No, it's not at all. In death, <laughs> no, no, it's not at all, but in death metal years, it's like... Oh, I know. It, I you know imagine, what I mean? It's yeah. just like, I remember hearing, and granted, this is obviously years ago, but I remember when I, w- I was in a band, I was maybe 22, 23, and the bass player was like 27. And this kid came up to him and goes, man, why are you you're so old and why are you doing this? I mean, shouldn't you have like... He's, and I looked at him and I was like, he, he's 27. Oh, that's brutal. 27. And the kid's like, yeah, you should get like a job and stuff. <laughs> right. Like, oh well, yeah, but still. <laughs> yeah. Such so, as the older you get, it's like that just keeps going up. Like, right, this guy's right. like 64. <laughs> right. What a loser. <laughs> Keith Richards is laughing at everyone. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> exactly. So nice. Yeah, well, Josh Elmore, man, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank uh, you. Best of luck to you guys, and uh, hopefully uh, catch up with you the next time you roll through town. Absolutely. We're big uh, Colorado fans, and we'll probably be recording our next record here, too. And be either here in Springs or up in Denver Excellent. or maybe even Fort Collins or nice. Boulder. So, yeah, we'll be here multiple, multiple, multiple times. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Us too. All right. So there you have it. Cattle Decapitation's Josh Elmore. My thanks to Josh for getting together before their set at the Black Sheep to be on the show. Definitely wish him and the guys nothing but the best and hope they roll back through Colorado soon. Thanks to Jeremy and the fine folks at the Black Sheep for their continued support. And of course, thank you for listening to In the Springs. The In the Springs podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore Metajunk. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. (laughs) 